Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, we are in uh, Exodus. <clears throat> We're going to try to go all the way through chapter 31 today. We'll see how that works. I plan completely on getting all the way through it today. All right. <laughs> You're going to tell me something about my best laid plans? <laughs> That's right. Mice and men. Let's pray. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and uh, Lord, we're so grateful for this book that we have uh, sitting in front of us right now, Lord, and we know that uh, you have supernaturally um, spoken this, this word into creation, Father, uh, Lord, and then you have supernaturally sustained it, Lord, so that we could have it in front of us today, Lord. This is, uh, this is your work, and you've called us, Lord, to study it uh, and to know it, Lord, to study it together. And we pray, Father, that as we study it together while we're having fellowship with one another and with you, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would encourage us this morning, Father, uh, and that good news uh, of Jesus Christ and that he has fulfilled all of these things and forged for us a new promise through himself, Father, that our hearts would be bursting with joy uh, when we leave this place, Lord, that the gladness and that joy of the Lord would be our strength, Father, that as we go from here uh, into the world, into our mission field, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, and that truth and the blessing and the glory of the gospel would be on our lips, Father, that we could barely contain ourselves. Uh, we're so thankful, Father. Have your way in us and through us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we had a <clears throat> FCA uh, motocross uh, this, this weekend the, at the New York State Fairgrounds. They had uh, Syracuse Stadium Cross, um, which is uh, indoor. It's, it's like, like Supercross in that it's indoor in an arena with man-made jumps. Uh, and then they put a bunch of maniacs out there and they race uh, through, through that course. But it's at the fair and it's in like the horse arena. So it's a lot smaller, you know. Um, but it's an, it's an awesome event and, and just every year it's gotten bigger and bigger and they have like just arms out welcomed the FCA. Um, you know, the, like they'll, they'll, you know, Ed Stratton is like, he's the mouthpiece, uh, believe it or not for, for, it's not me. Ed Stratton is the mouthpiece for the FCA and, and he'll ask them, can we do this? Can we? And they're like, Ed, you don't have to ask, just do it. We're glad you're here, man. You know? Um, and, and so we set up our trailer front and center with banners and, you know, big tents and FCA everywhere. And, um, you know, we've got a, he's got a big sound system there and, and, you know, uh, we have chapel services and I get to preach at all the people, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and, and they let, they let me go up in the booth before the ceremonies and pray. Uh, it's, it's, it is awesome. I mean, these people... These people are not polished, okay? Motocross racers, I love it, man. Like when Jesus talks about, <clears throat> I got a problem with authority. Anyway, right? So, uh, you know, this is my thing, right? I'm always confessing. <laughs> you guys, you know, it's like, uh, but, but, you know, when Jesus has that, the parable about his, the king and he had a son who was going to be married. And so they sent out the invitations to all the noblemen and all of the high and mighty and the wealthy and, and, the, and the, you know, the people that owned all the lands sent invitations out to them. And they were like, we don't have time for all of the, you know. And, and, and then he said, go to the highways and the byways. Forget those high and mighty people. Go to the highways and the byways and invite everybody to my son's wedding. Uh, and so when I feel like I'm really in the highways and the byways, 
I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You know what I mean? Not just because I'm like one of them. <laughs> but that's like, I love it. I love it. And, and, and pray, pray for the motocross community because, you know, it's party. It's a party community. You know, I mean, it's like, this is the first 20 minutes on Friday night's practice. The first 20 minutes are there. Here's two of the announcements. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, just a reminder, there's no beer allowed on the starting line, you know, <laughs> that's the first one. And then like 20 minutes later, it's, uh, we have people out smoking cigarettes by the gas cans, <laughs> you know, but just a reminder, you idiots, <laughs> there's no smoking out by the gas cans, you know, and it's just, it, it's wild and crazy. Uh, and yet, and yet there's a whole group of, of, of a core group of this community that has embraced the FCA. And, you know, a lot of times you're talking to them and they're just looking at you like this, you know, but they listen uh, and, and they see that, you know, we care about them. Uh, you guys have all heard the, the, that old phrase, you know, people don't care how much you know, right? So they know how much you care. And that's really what our mission is, is, is that we're here, we're bringing church to the track, and we're here to love you and to support you. If you need somebody to help hold your bike while you're changing the back tire, like, come grab one of us. Uh, if, you, if you have something that's going on in your life and you're going through struggles, come grab one of us. That's what we're here for. You know, and we tell them, we, I don't care if you believe, I'm still here to serve you. You know, and it's just been like, if you can tell, I'm kind of like on a mountaintop, you know, like just, it was awesome uh, this, this weekend. It was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And they just, every year the Lord has, has blessed it. Uh, and I mean, seeds are being, seeds are being planted. Uh, so it was great. It was a great weekend. And that's also the reason why I'm coughing because it's the equivalent of smoking. I think about 48 cartons of cigarettes. You know what I mean? Like, like you're sitting there in the stands and the alarms are going off, the fire alarms because of the smoke. And it's like a haze of blue smoke. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. A little suffering of uh, uh, smoke inhalation for the kingdom is okay. All right. So <clears throat> we are in Exodus chapter 31. Uh, did we pray over the word yet? No, I started talking instead. Okay. Let's pray over the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for, um, for, for putting us here, Lord, to, to receive it. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through this portion this morning, Lord, that you would encourage each person here, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And it may have been the second prayer, I think, but that's okay. Uh, Exodus chapter 31. Now remember, Moses is on Mount Sinai. So a lot of these portions, it, it almost sounds like as if Aaron and his sons and the people were like around because God's talking about them to Moses. But this whole time, this is that, that one of those 40-day periods where Moses is up on Mount Sinai supernaturally being sustained by the Spirit of God as God speaks into his heart. Uh, uh, all of his will towards the people and all of his commands and all of his laws and all of his statutes towards the people. And Moses is just up there. You remember, you know, it talks about when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, his face is radiating to the point where the people are freaking out. You know what I mean? Because he's radiating the glory of God. and They make him put a veil on. You know what I mean? And it must have been like really effect because I'm not wearing a veil. You know what I mean? Like I'm not putting, you put a veil on, you know what I mean? But Moses, they put, he allowed him to put a veil on him because it's like you're freaking the people out. You know, you standing before God for 40 days, you know, and, and, and just receiving all this. So it's in the midst of all of this. And we're drawing to the end of that, of that 40 days because dad's going to pick up in chapter 32 with the, 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 the uh, account of the, of the golden calf. 
But here uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses in chapter 31 and he says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Ori, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed, I, I like that, just right there. You know, it's it's almost like God's just not, just. you got a tendency to just start reading through it. And, And I, indeed, I, huh? Huh? Listen to me. God's saying, I, indeed I. This is no small thing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and here's the construction workers, right? And here's the guys I want to put the stuff together. No, I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach. And I'm sure I'm saying all these wrong, but thank you. Of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom, I've put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it. I love how he lists those separately. You notice that there? The ark of the testimony, right? The ark, we know, is the promises of God, the covenant of God. And in that ark of testimony contain the Ten Commandments. Remember the, some of the manna, Aaron's rod later on, that budded is going to go in there. And separately he lists the mercy seat. Separately he lists the mercy seat, which is over, right? Which is on top of, which is over the ark of the testimony. It's a picture of the law being established, the covenant that God gave to the people of Israel through Moses, and then that second covenant of grace through mercy that was going to come to all people through Jesus Christ that is over the law, okay? The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all of its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded you they shall do so uh, I, I love I love this portion for, for uh, a few different reasons but notice what we have here we have a couple of we have a bunch of people but namely we have this Bezalel or Bezalel the son of Ori and then also Aholiab the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan and notice what it says before each of their names. Okay, in verse 3, speaking of Bezalel, it says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Notice that comes first. Uh, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Well, what do you mean? All they're doing is workmanship. Why well, you can't, all, it's not just give them workmanship. No, 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 no. No, they're going to be constructing the articles of the worship 
They're going to be constructing, they're going to be putting together, they're going to be building, they're going to be crafting all of the utensils. And you see how God is detailed again going down through talking about all the things that they're going to be creating. Uh, For the people that the priest might go before God on the people's behalf and minister for them, that the sacrifices might be made. This is is such a a serious point in history for for the Jewish people. And God has these artisans and these craftsmen and these builders that he has set aside and calling them by name, okay? These are gifted people, these are talented people, but I want you to notice very carefully that that ain't enough. You know, and it's a great and awesome picture of how little God needs us. And how little God needs our talent. And God does use people's talents. And he has given you certain talents. And he has given you certain abilities and certain things in your life. No matter what it is, don't ever stand before God or sit in a quiet place or ride in your car and think that the thing that God's gifted me with is of little importance. Or the thing that God has shown me or given me to do is of little consequence. Because nothing could be further from the truth. The fact of the matter is, is that whatever God has gifted you in, he has gifted you in for his glory. And whatever it is that God has given you to do, he's given you to do for his glory. And so God is very specific and very very careful to point out here to Moses that he has indeed filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Because in every single thing, I don't want these guys just to go to work every day and just like, what are you doing? I'm building the forks. You know what I mean? That's all I do. Or I'm just candlestick. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of gold around here. You know, dink, dink. No, 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 no. He wants these guys to be in the spirit of God and experiencing the wisdom and the power of God and understanding you know, in every single day and every second of every day and every moment of them building and crafting these beautiful items for the worship of God is because they've been put into God's service to do so. And that it is important. It is of great importance and of great value to the kingdom. Remember in the book of Acts when the apostles and you know, the church is growing and the apostles say, look, you know, we can't be just waiting on tables. You know, we've got to commit ourselves to the word and to prayer to do the work of the ministry. And we're spending all of our time bringing food to people and, and doing these works of service. So, so we're going to choose seven men to do these simple things. But remember what, what, they, what Paul says, or what Peter says. Men known to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they're just going to be waiting on tables, Peter. It's really, I mean, you really you have, to be, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to wait on tables? If you're doing it for the Lord, you certainly do. If you're doing it for God's people, you certainly do. And anything that is done in the service of our Lord and our God, and listen, you've got to always, we have to continually be checking ourselves. Because we forget. We forget ourselves. And we forget what's really important. You know, you may have heard it said before, we have to always be careful that we keep the main thing the main thing. And if, you're, if there's any work or any service that you're doing, and, you're, and, and in your heart and your mind, this is the work that God has given me to do for him and for his kingdom, and you're doing it with a wrong heart and with a wrong attitude and not with the heart of a servant, you're doing it all wrong. You know, it's just like, it's no different. It's no different than when we do tithes and offerings. That is a gift. That is you, that is you taking something that God has blessed you with and giving it back to him. 
And that is an act of worship and it is an act of praise. And it's an act of obedience. And it has to be given. It has to be done. If we want any kind of uh, a blessing from God for it, then it has to be done in a, in a pure way, in a pure fashion. I'm not giving this to the Lord because, you know, it's my 10%. And those are what we do over there. You're, I mean, great, we'll take your money. We've got to keep the lights on. But God can't use that. And God can't bless you the way he wants to if you're doing these things of the flesh and you're allowing your flesh to get involved with it. And you can, it's just super easy for us to tell when our flesh is getting involved in it. I mean, because we start getting toods, right? We start getting attitudes about things. Or we start getting, you know, uh, angry or we start getting, or, or acting like it's ours, this thing that God has given me to do or God has called me to do, like it's mine, like it belongs to me. You know, am I willing, am I willing, where if, where if God this week spoke to my pastor, who's the, who's the, who's the senior pastor of this church, and, and he calls me and he says, look, I want you to step down. I want you to step down and I don't want you to preach. How is my attitude going to be the next Sunday? You know, you know what I mean? I want you to sit in the back and I want you to just rest and I want you to just listen to me. Okay, you need some more lessons <laughs> or whatever, and I'm gonna and I, and I just want you to, to 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 sit for a while. Well, how would my heart be? And this is something that you see in in church all the time. Not not necessarily in our church, but universally, is that people are called to something or or feel that they're called to something or say that they're called to something. But then when someone speaks to that, who is authority over them? And says, no, it's not supposed to be like that. Or no, I don't want you to do that. Or I want you to do this. And then the true, the true reason for them doing it comes right to the surface. Because they get angry. And they get, well, this is what the Lord got. Wait a minute. The Lord's called us to be followers and imitators of Jesus. And to be servants. And, you know, one of the things they always say is that you can, you can tell whether or not you truly are a servant when people treat you like one. You know, it's, it's easy to say. Minister just means servant, brother. I'm just a servant. I'm just here to serve. Oh, that's awesome. Can you go brush the snow off my car? Oh, you, you got it all wrong. Not that kind of servant. <laughs> I'm the kind of servant that acts more like a king, you know, than the real servant. No, 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 no. You know, one of the great stories when we first came to Calvary Chapel and I can't remember who it was was preaching and they were talking about when they were coming up in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa under Pastor Chuck Smith. And they're saying there was, they, one day they came to church and they see Pastor Chuck and he's, it's before church. They got like a hundred billion people that come to this church, you know. And, 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 and Pastor Chuck is out and their gutters are clogged up because of cigarette butts from the saints, you know. <laughs> so Pastor Chuck's out there with his sleeves rolled up and he's and, and unclearing the gutters. And, and, and just, just be, just, and he's, there's nothing, he's not even thinking about it. He's not angry because someone else didn't do it. He's standing there. He sees it that the gutter's clogged. No one else is around. I guess that's my job. It's all in the spirit in which we do things for God. You know, and this is what Jesus talks about uh, during the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. When he's talking about serving God, everything that you do, make sure you're not doing it before men to be seen by men. You know, if you do things in such a way, that's your reward. Do your service for God from your heart, and if you can, in secret, so that the right hand doesn't, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, 
and great is your reward in heaven. Where is, where is your treasure? Jesus was that don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he's not just talking about money. He's not just talking about money. He's talking about the glory. He's talking about the accolades. He's talking about our pride. Don't allow your glory. Don't allow your treasure. Treasure is more, way more than money. Treasure is the thing, whatever it is in life, that you hold dear. Don't allow your treasure to be on earth. Your treasure, build it up in heaven where moth and rust, rust can't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, you know it, there your heart will be also. Everything has to come from the heart. And so, yes, God says, listen, they're artisans, they're craftsmen, they're talented, but here's the key. I've filled them with the Spirit, and I've given them wisdom. Um, <clears throat> Romans 1, chapter 1, you know how it, always, how it starts. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. You know, the first thing, he always leads with this, doesn't he, in his epistles. Paul, a bondservant. Paul, a bondservant. And then whatever God calls me to do. And then whatever the Lord shows me to do. Uh, I love that. Now, uh, it's very interesting that while he's talking to Moses about the artisan's commission to build a tabernacle and the articles, he brings up the Sabbath because no doubt he can see them getting so caught up in doing the Lord's work that they would forget to rest in him. Because notice this, in verse 12, he shifts gears. He goes from talking about these artisans, crafting these articles for the, temp, for the tabernacle, and then the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 12, speak also to the children of Israel, saying, surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Interesting. That, that, that talking about these guys that God has called, and he is filled with the Spirit and with wisdom to, to, to put these articles together for the tabernacle and for worship, and then he goes right into the Sabbath. You know, because don't think for a minute. You know, remember when uh, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and then when David became king, and in time they, were, they, went, they went and brought the, bringing the Ark back uh, up to Jerusalem, remember, and they put it on a cart, and it's going up towards to Jerusalem, and the Ark begins to shift, and it looks like it's going to fall. And Uzzah reaches out and, and touches the Ark of the Covenant to stabilize it, and he dies. Now, what that, and remember, David was upset. He was, re, he, was, he was really angry about it, the Bible says. He was upset about it. You know, and I don't know if that means that he was necessarily upset at God. I don't think that that was really ever in David's heart to be angry at God. But he was upset about it, no doubt, because Uzzah's intentions were pure. Now, if he had been a born-again Christian, <laughs> he'd have been fine. Because Jesus deals with the heart. But we have to always remember and understand that there is a very, very definite line between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Okay? The law is uncompromising. The law is uncompromising. Do these things and you shall live. Right? And if you're guilty of breaking one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. It was very, very specific. So, yes, it was wonderful that Uzzah's intention was to keep the ark from falling down and breaking on the ground. But God had made a command. God had made a command, don't touch the ark. 
Nobody was to ever lay a finger on the ark. That was God's. That was God's. And he put his hand on it. God doesn't need our help. Doesn't ever want us to touch the glory. And remember what Jesus said to the disciples. I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. He also said that until heaven and and earth pass away, these words will by no means pass away. Not one jot or tittle, right, from the law. And, and, and anyone who teaches people to not obey the law is, is not going to be blessed. Blessed is the man who teaches them. Now, we have to remember and understand what Jesus was talking about. The law has not ceased to exist. The law has not ceased to exist. We don't live in a reality where there is no more law. There is no more law. The law doesn't exist for Christians. It's just grace and mercy. Absolutely not. The law completely still exists and completely is still relevant and valid. Completely 100%. Jesus Christ, however, is the mercy seat that sits on top of the Ark of Testimony. He is the fulfillment of the law. The law hasn't gone anywhere. We need to understand. God's heart, and people say, well, you know, God, you know nowhere in the, in the New Testament is it written. Nowhere. It's all, that's only in the Old Testament. Whoa, time out. Stop the clock. If it's written in the Old Testament, it stands. God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He says he's not a man that he can lie or that he would change. Everything that's written in the law is still in, in, is still in existence today. We are covered. The law has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I just thought that was a very important point to make. So, right here in the midst of talking about putting the articles of the tabernacle together, he switches gears and goes right to the Sabbath. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses, speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. And that includes if you're building the ark. <laughs> that includes if you're building the menorah. That includes if you're, if you're putting together the priestly garments. It, does, it, 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 it didn't exclude anybody from keeping the Sabbath. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is the sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now, uh, it's important that we understand when we're talking about the Sabbath, and we're talking about the Sabbath day of rest, and when the Bible specifically points out that for in six days God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it, and on the seventh day he rested, it's not like God was like... Holy cow, that was harder than I thought it was going to be. You know what, Gabriel? Write that down. This is going to be a day of rest. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was the day that God set aside, the day that God set aside for all work to be stopped, for there to be nothing but silence, 
but in rest and fellowship. Remember, God spoke and talked with Adam and Eve face to face. He walked with them in the garden, and he spoke to them face to face. And that was the purpose of the Sabbath day of rest. And Moses is being told by God very, very clearly, it is vitally important. And it's interesting because you read this, and does this sound like restful to you? Keep the Sabbath. If you don't, we're going to kill you. It's like, boy, that doesn't sound very restful. You know, we were talking a little bit before church about there had to be people all the time because people are people who were like accusing people of breaking the Sabbath. I mean, look how it was for Jesus. Constantly being accused of breaking the Sabbath. And every time your neighbor said, I saw Joe over there breaking the Sabbath, they had to drag you before the judges and the evidence would have to be collected. And if you were found to be breaking the Sabbath... Yikes. That didn't sound very restful. So why is God so, so completely, like, uncompromising when it comes to the Sabbath? For the same exact reason that he was uncompromising in the words that he spoke to Moses. And we've talked about this a couple of different times. When he told him to speak to the rock, remember? The first time that God brought forth water from the rock, he told Moses to strike the rock. And the second time... He told him to speak to the rock. It was a very, very clear picture of Jesus Christ. In fact, the scripture says that he was the rock, spiritually, that followed them in the desert. And it was a very clear object lesson that God was giving to the people that they would never know and understand, that no one would ever know and understand and tell the church that the rock was a picture of Jesus Christ and that it had to be struck for us that we might receive the living water one time. And the second time, Moses only had to ask. The rock was not to be struck again. And God was so absolutely fixated on these lessons being put into perpetuity in the Word of God, being set as monuments for us, it was life and death. And the Sabbath is still for us a picture of God's rest. I just want to read a couple of Scripture verses here to finish up. Uh, turn with me to Romans. Because this is, this is something that is continually going around and around in the church. If, if you've been a Christian long enough, you at some point in time have dealt with it or been through it or, or been around people that start talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath. And, and what is our responsibility as Christians towards the Sabbath? What, what is it that God says to us? And, and, and always, eventually there's always going to be somebody that's going to say, well, you know, we should still be doing this. Or, or we ought to still be doing that. Okay? Uh, so I just want to read a couple of, couple of uh, portions. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, 5 and 6. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. And the Lord of, that means he is the Lord of every aspect of our lives. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So what Paul is clearly saying here to the church is that there are going to be people who are going to be led within the church to observe a day, to, to keep a Sabbath. You know, there's people that say, you know, I just, I want to, I really want to eat kosher. I really want to, that's okay. That's okay. What Paul is saying here is that every single person in their relationship with God has to be convinced in their own mind. We're not talking about things that are violations of doctrine or violations of scriptural, of what the scripture teaches us. We're talking about people in their relationship with God feel that they want to honor God and they feel that his spirit is leading them to do this, to not do that. What does Paul say? It's okay. Number one, it's okay. Number two, not your business. It's not your business. You know, I always like, that's why I like to carry a heavy Bible. So when people say, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and it, show me. Show me. Because if you can show me in here, you're right. 100% absolutely right. If we can look at the scriptures together and go, that's exactly what it says. Oopsie. Time to change that thing. But if not, when we're teaching the scriptures, we're not teaching the scriptures for you to do each and every specific thing. I need, to, I need to explain to you how every aspect of your life needs to be lived. You are free. You are free. I've talked to brand new baby Christians, okay? And they're like, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with pot. You know what I mean? Smoke a little weed. It's natural. I don't be like, you know what the Lord said. You you get all freaked out and worked up. Listen to me. God, his Holy Spirit, if someone's heart belongs to God, he's going to show them stuff. I have complete faith in God's ability to bring people along in the faith. Right? So I've got, there's a part that talks about, not, not to offend any vegetarians that might be here, this one who is weak. You know, eats only vegetables. Who's weak in the faith? The person who's strong in the faith, because they eat their meat, eats meat, you know. And what, and what they say, the same thing there. Don't despise your brother because they're eating only vegetables. And it's a little bit different, okay? We're talking about something here that Christians are supposed to be sober, all right? I probably should say this as a proviso or whatever, like a, a disclaimer, okay? I'm not saying it's okay to start smoking pot, all right? God has called us to be sober-minded, all right? I've, I've, I've people all over the world for ages and eons, okay, have had a glass of wine with their dinner, all right, aids in digestion, tastes good with the meal, whatever, okay, whatever. You don't smoke a pot, smoke a joint because it tastes so good. There's one purpose and there's one reason for smoking a joint. It's to get high, okay, and there's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we could go off into the deep end on, but my whole entire point Okay, sorry. My whole entire point is, when I meet a young Christian or someone who's just coming into the Lord and they're dealing with that, I'm not going to freak out on them because they smoke a joint. That's my whole point. Seek Jesus. Know Jesus. Read the Word. God is going to bring them along. 
God is going to bring them along. It's not my job to judge his servants. This is what the Word of God says. We stand on what the Word of God says. We don't compromise what the Word of God says. And we believe that God is going to bring all of his children, or it's his desire at least, to bring all of his children on to obedience. Uh, turn with me to Colossians. I apologize. It's, we're, I'm a little disjointed this morning, but... Uh, turn with me to Colossians. I think these are great, great, great portions for us to read. Colossians chapter 2. Starting with verse 11. Okay. So, concerning the Sabbath, concerning the keeping of the law, all right? Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 11. In him... You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's the first sign of being a Jew is that you're circumcised. That is the first sign of being a Jew. When the Judaizers were going around and telling the Gentiles, you also have to follow the laws of Moses. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus Christ. They were telling you must first be circumcised. You have to be circumcised. You were circumcised... Um, I'm sorry. You were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. How? By putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice not one religious thing has been done there. Not one observance has been made. There's not one, one religious obligation and duty that's been had there in our cleansing, in our being made clean from sins, in our being circumcised of heart through Jesus Christ. It's by faith and belief in Him. Uh, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which we're talking about the law, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Okay? So first thing he's saying here is, he has nailed it to the cross through Jesus Christ's death. When he died on the cross, he died for the fact that you're a lawbreaker. Okay? He didn't, he didn't come to abolish the law. Remember that. He came to fulfill it. He died on the cross because we're lawbreakers. And so the requirement of keeping the law, the handwriting of requirements that was against us, because it's contrary to us, it says, they were wiped out and they were nailed to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay, so what's the result? So now what do we do? Verse 16, so let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. What he's talking about here, guys, is religious people putting a trip on you. Religious people putting a trip on you, telling you you have to do all of these things. Okay? You've got you to live before Jesus Christ. Live before God and Christ. That's what you've got to do. Not listen to some dude or dudette 
tell you what you have to do in order to be a good Christian. And not holding fast, these religious hypocrites, to the head, that is Christ, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. He's talking about the kosher law which all concerns things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. What do all of those religious obligatory things that we do, do towards the crucifixion of our flesh? When we're in that spot and we're in that moment where we are clearly being tempted and there's a line that has been drawn in the sand there between light and darkness, between good and evil, between right and wrong, between what God has commanded us to do and what we know he has commanded us not to do, and all of us have that thing in our hearts and in our lives, when you're at that point in time, What part of any religious obligation or duty that you've ever done is going to help you fight that fight and help you crucify the flesh? Man, no way. That is something that has to happen in the heart. And that's exactly how Jesus came to fulfill all of the promises and to fulfill the Sabbaths, the new moons, the festivals, All of the things that God gave the children of Israel and commanded them sternly, do these things that you shall live, have all been accomplished through Jesus Christ. You understand the the freedom that we have been won through Jesus Christ? That all of that has been taken away and you simply have to live your life before God. Not to be judged by any person, but to live your life before God and in obedience to his word. And if you do those two things, you're not going to stray. You may momentarily. God is always going to keep you on the path if you do those two things. Live your life before him in the spirit. Obey the word. One more. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. In case there was any doubt. I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 15, uh, interestingly enough, uh, for your, your, your church uh, history buffs, you know, Peter was not the head of the church. Did you know that? James was the head of the church. Um, if we back up to Acts chapter 15, verse 13, uh, and here's a meeting of all of the heads of the church. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, that's Peter, has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things, known to God from eternity, are all his works. And James, who is the leader of the church, says this, Therefore, I judge... 
that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders in the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, the brethren, to the brethren who are in or of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law. What part of the law are they talking about? All, any part of the law. To whom we, have, we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Goodbye. End of story. Good night. So I defy anybody down through church history since that point in time who would come on the scene and tell me that I got to keep some sort of Sabbath or that I got to keep some sort of dietary code and regulation. There is absolutely no evidence for that in, in, in Scripture. So I said all of that just to tell you how free you are this morning. That is the whole point of this whole message is two things. God needs you to be filled with his spirit and wisdom to do his will, right? Not your talent. And two, that Jesus came to set you free. And we have that rest. That Sabbath day of rest is in Christ for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your word, Lord. Thank you so much how you freed us from sin and death and uh, the bondage that we were in, Lord, to our, to our own flesh. Um, and how the law condemned us, Lord, because it was contrary to us. And you, by the blood of the Lamb, have washed us and cleansed us from all of our sin and unrighteousness. Uh, we've been buried together with him in baptism, Lord. And in our belief and in our faith uh, in what he's done, Lord, we've been raised to new life in him. Lord, we're so grateful for that and thankful, Lord. And we're grateful for the freedom that we have. That we can just follow after you, seek your face, Lord. And trust in you, Lord, to complete the work that you've begun in us. Lord, help us to, to, to never be um, judgmental Christians, Lord, uh, but to seek to just bring people to Jesus and to proclaim the good news. And yes, to study and know your word, Lord, that we could live our lives before you and to make as many disciples, uh, Lord, as we can of the cross and of the word, uh, Lord, but to understand that everything in you is covered in your grace and in your mercy and in your love, Father. Um, have your perfect way in us, Lord, and, and, and guide us and direct us as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Sorry it was so long.